This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and read. Check this out. This is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now. To the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. In the summer, and outside of a Haitian nightclub in Flatbush Avenue, two roided-up cops were responding to a fight that had transpired. They were coming in from the 70th Precinct, known as Fort Tombstone, in the Kensington section of Brooklyn. Justin Volpe who had graduated from the academy years before. You look at his graduation photo, and then you notice he is giganto, all roided up. His partner, Charles Schwartz, all roided up. A lot of cops would get out of the academy and realize that they're dealing with guys in the streets who were spending their time in prison or in jail lifting weights and buffing up. Respect, man, looking like Gigantor. That was the period of time in the 90s. But with the roids came all kinds of side effects, anger management issues, just horrific force. And on that night, Justin Justin Volpe and Charles Swartz became the devils. They were the devils. Abner Louima was picked up. Justin Volpe thought that Abner Oweem had hit him in that street fight. Turned out not to be true. Doesn't matter. Because they threw him in the back of the car. They brought him into the 70th Precinct, Fort Tombstone. They brought him into the toilet area, into the bathroom. And as he laid on the ground with his head near the toilet, Justin Volpe took the wooden part of a plunger and repeatedly jabbed it up his butt while Charles Swartz was holding him. 
and then later claiming that he didn't see anything. Charles Schwartz was first uh, arrested and charged with aiding and abetting, uh, abetting the act. It was a 15-year charge on appeal that was uh, knocked out of the box. Instead, he got convicted of lying about what his role was and what happened. So he did his time. And I remember at that time, because he had served in the United States Marine Corps, uh, a very proud Marine himself, Guy Molinari, who was a friend of mine, who was the mayor maker. Remember, he was the mentor to both Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg becoming uh, mayors of the city of New York. It was his guiding hand that got them to become mayor. But he was blinded. If you were a Marine, you could do no wrong. That's why he loved David Dinkins. That's why he loved Ray Kelly. That's why he respected Charles Schwartz. And I said, I said to Guy, I said, Guy, he did a horrible thing. He's got to pay a price. And he paid a minimal role. I think he did five years and eventually got a job as a carpenter uh, with the uh, NYCHA projects. I don't know where he was assigned, but I remember my uncle Ernie uh, in Chicago was a carpenter for the Chicago Public Housing Authority. And they would send him from Robert Taylor Holmes to Cabrini Green. And the poor guy got his front teeth knocked out and his ribs broken. I mean, you know, a carpenter in a NYCHA housing facility, you got a tough job because there's all, all kinds of vandalism taking place and all kinds of thugs hanging out. But it's not excuse what he did. He should have gotten more time. Charles Schwartz aided and abetted this horrific, demonic act. The guy who was the main perpetrator, though, was Justin Volpe. And he eventually pleaded guilty to the crime and was given 30 years. I would have given him more. But he was given 30 years. And we just find out uh, in the media that he was released into what they call the New York Residential Reentry Program after doing most of his time at a federal prison in Sandstone, Minnesota. Supposed to get 30 years, he did 24. According to everybody in the prisons that he was assigned, including when he was being held down uh, at the um, federal facility, the holding cell that is now closed to downtown underneath the federal courthouse, this guy knew how to do time. You could put him in a four-by-eight-foot cell and... He, he was functional. He wasn't going out of his mind. He wasn't doing a Jeffrey Epstein. There are some guys, they can do time. They can do 30, 40, 50 years. And there are other guys, they can't do three, four, five days without freaking out, without having anxiety attacks and without crying like uh, uh, Mama Luke. You know who cried like a Mama Luke in his punk city protective custody jail? And I think he was only doing about six months for possession of an illegal handgun. Uh, who's that guy, right? Uh, who that nation? Who that nation, right? What was that uh, guy uh, from New Orleans, man? Like he tall, tatted up. I forget his name. He's almost like out of style, out of style now. But uh, he was crying in Rikers Island. Crying. He even wrote it in his book. He wasn't able to do time. A lot of guys are not able to do time. They're not able to do time in a lockup whether they're in a single cell, double cell, dormitory, whether they get tossed in the bing, which is uh, 
in segregation because uh, they've been troublemakers or even in Punk City protective custody where uh, many a infamous rapper has been tossed because they want their mommies. All of a sudden they want their mommies. What was his name? I'm trying to remember, man. All tatted up from New Orleans. Who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? Who that? You'll get that for me temporarily. I mean, he was crying like a little baby on Rikers Island. Well, that's not the case of Justin Volpe. He did his time. He should have done at least 30. I would have given him more. And now, apparently, he was integrated into what they call the New York Residential uh, Program for Reentry. It's a management program. Our own Anthony Weiner has spoken about this because, remember, he did time in a federal prison in Massachusetts and then had to do time in the Bronx uh, in a halfway house. But the management program is where there are 7,900 inmates in the halfway houses. Nearly 6,000 are under home confinement where they get the fortune off ankle bracelet and it monitors their movement. But there's so many tricks with that bracelet. You could take it off and then put it uh, around a cat's neck and the cat is walking all over the house and the feds who are monitoring you, they have no idea that you snuck out and you snuck back. But I I digress there. One of the interesting things was that we found out that Justin Volpe's mom had taught in the Lutheran school out in Staten Island and that her student was the great talk show host, Brian Whitman. Brian Whitman, who had delivered the Staten Island, well, what they call the advance, and would call into the Bob Grant show and use different voices. And he was so good at that that eventually he became a talk show host here in New York City at WABC. And, I mean, he could do spot-on Al Gore imitations. He did Michael Jackson for an hour with me when I was substituting for Sean Hannity in his nationally syndicated program. And everybody thought it was Michael Jackson that I was interviewing when he was on trial in Santa Barbara. Nobody had Michael Jackson. He was obviously being kept on the down low. And everybody thought that he was Michael. This guy, Brian Whitman, one of the greatest of all time. There's no doubt about it when it came to imitating voices. And then he went out to L.A., big star, big radio star, really, a tremendous talent. But he actually went to the same Lutheran school as Justin Volpe and was taught by Justin Volpe's mother. The other interesting, far more interesting fact is that I remember seeing the initial interviews when Justin Volpe was being charged and his father became the spokesperson for his interests. And I looked at him and I said, my God, that's the artsy-fartsy detective with, he had the uh, ponytail on. It was NYPD Detective Robert Volpe, who recently died in Staten Island. I think he was in his 60s. But he wasn't an ordinary detective. The father, Volpe, specialized in art thefts and frauds, tracking down paintings by Matisse and Raphael, Greek sculptures, Tiffany Glass, all while continuing to paint himself, teach, and lecture. He was beloved in the New York Times. In fact, they gave him a vivid obituary because, well, it sounded like a movie, because of all of his work in the art world and being able to detect fraudulent pieces which were circulating all over the globe. In fact, he ended up creating his own detective's job after commuter 
computer analysis pinpointed art theft as a growing problem. He created his role. He was asked to make a survey. He came back with actual arrests instead of a report. And he turned that into a specialty of the NYPD, the the only one of any police department in the nation, a separate bureau for art crime. He was referred to as by other cops as Rembrandt. And I remember reading in that obituary in the New York Times, he had grown up in Bay Ridge. He studied art at the High School of Art and Design, Parsons, and the Art Students League. In fact, there was a great book written about him, about uh, the father of Justin Volpe, Robert Volpe, the art detective. It was called Art Cop, and that was in 1974, years before his son committed this monstrous act. And actually, he defended his son. Moms and dads tend to defend their sons, but it was indefensible. This was a monstrous act. A horrible, monstrous act. And uh, there were days and days of demonstrations, no justice, no peace, by Al Slim Shady Sharpton, who represented uh, the victim, Abner Luima. Abner Luima, who had to have multiple surgeries. I mean, his entire intestines were ripped apart, colon ripped apart. Horrific. Everybody knowing that he had that plunger jammed up his tuchus. He had a deal with that. Then he moved down to Florida. And being a man of God, he's been been very religious through the entire experience. I I, I could never have taken the tact that he did. He has fully forgiven Justin Volpe and Charles Schwartz and enjoys his life now down in Florida. Uh with his children and his grandchildren. So we saw Al, some shady Sharpton, exploiting this, as he always does, especially when the colors are white cops versus black victims or black suspects. Uh, That will not be the lasting memory. The lasting memory will be the horrific nature and how it could easily have turned this city upside down. It did. There were many demonstrations. There were many clashes with the police. They were marching over the Brooklyn Bridge uh, every other month. And Rudy Giuliani was not giving an inch, not giving anything towards the demonstrators, and particularly Al Slim Shady Sharpton. I'll never forget in the very beginning of um, Rudy's administration, when, thank God, he was elected by the vote that came out from Staten Island and by less uh, African-Americans voting because they were so disappointed in the four years of David Dinkins, which was an absolute disaster. That his first police commissioner was Bill Bratton. Bill Bratton had originally been the transit police commissioner under David Dinkins and had done a very good job. And then so uh, it was Guy Molinari who wanted, wanted Rudy to take Ray Kelly because Ray Kelly was a proud Marine. And uh, Guy Molinari always... Loved Marines. Like I said, he loved David Dinkins. But Rudy said, no, I'm going to go with Bill Bratton. And I'll never forget, there was a shooting in a mosque early on in uh, Giuliani's term in office, within the first month or so. And police had to go into this mosque, and there was a shooting. And Bill Bratton immediately told Rudy Giuliani as he came over to City Hall from one police plaza, uh, Al 
Slim Shady Sharpton has requested a meeting uh, with me, uh, Mayor Giuliani. I'm going to meet with him. And Rudy looked him straight in the eyes and said, Bill, you meet with our Slim Shady Sharpton, you can leave your badge and your gun here, and I will get a new police commissioner ever so quickly. And he, he would. Eventually, when Bratton left, Howard Safer came in, formerly with the DEA, one tough Jew from the Bronx, and then uh, cops who, uh, like Eric Adams, uh, felt that uh, uh, he was racist. That wasn't true. But Eric Adams was stirring uh, the trouble, like he always did with 100 blacks in law enforcement. He was the prez. And then immediately, Rudy Giuliani tapped his correctional commissioner, Bernie Carrick, who always had a great relationship with blacks and Hispanics, dating back to his days growing up in Patterson, uh, going to Eastside High School, growing up in the projects, and being a minority. Uh, amongst the majority of black and Hispanics. And that'll lead into what we're discussing next is how um, Eric Adams has so fumbled the ball in having uh, his police commissioner put in a box from day one. And when she decided to leave, he had a hissy fit yesterday that just, just indicated how he's so not ready for prime time. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, now streaming only on Hulu. Featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. You know, they might as well be playing this Frankie Valley of the Four Seasons classic at City Hall as they've circled the wagons with the resignation of Keaton Sewell, the police commissioner, who uh, I have uh, no feelings towards. She knew what she was getting involved with uh, because uh, every African-American woman a uh, police official who was being interviewed for the original job of police commissioner in Eric Adams' administration reported that if you were to be accepted, you would have to march to the drummer's beat of the deputy mayor of public safety, Phil Banks. They were all told that. Uh, 
uh, Best, the police commissioner who had been in Seattle, said, there's no way I'm going to do that. Why, why would I be police commissioner in name only? There were other African-American women interviewed from around the country who had led police departments, and they also likewise said, no. If I'm the police commissioner, I'm the shot caller, not this guy. The whole thing, Phil Banks, an unindicted co-conspirator in the corruption case about police selling licenses to carry guns uh, and then being wine-dined and pocket-lined by Reichnisch and Heimbach, flown out to Las Vegas where they had a stewardess, uh, was nothing more than a prostitute orally fixating these uh, police officials along the way and taking care of all their needs. Back and forth and all. This guy was guilty. He's an unindicted co-conspirator, Phil Banks. And by the way, uh, he became a confidential informer. That's how he avoided uh, uh, being sent to jail for this. And so he's like a confidant of Eric Adams. Eric Adams loves to surround himself with these guys who are crooks. So (laughs) she made a deal with the devil. And then she got upset. And she left, which is her purview to do. And then yesterday, Eric Adams at City Hall came up with some of the most cockamamie answers I've ever heard given at any press conference. He's referring to his mother. He's always talking about his mother. He's a real mama Luke, a real mama's boy. Listen to him say he's been following the vice that his mother gave him for so many years. I keep remembering what mom told me. Inspect what you expect or is all suspect. That's all she tell me. Trust, but verify. Now, some people may call that a micromanager. I call it being the mayor of a city that you love and taxpayers elected me to give them the product they deserve. And I don't think they've been getting the product they deserve previously. They're going to get it now. Let me get this right, Lou. He grew up in the 60s and 70s like I did, teenager, right? And his mom was doing rap rhymes before rap even came about. Can I can I hear that again? He actually attributes this to his mother, which I think is an absolute lie. It's like what a hip-hop mayor would say. I keep remembering what mom told me. Inspect what you expect or is all suspect. Inspect? Well, what the hell is that? <laughs> Give it to me one more time. It's... it's Makes no sense. This is like brothers talking pig Latin when I got locked up with them in jail, thinking that this white boy didn't know what they were talking about. I did. They were trying to vamp me. I keep remembering what mom told me. Inspect what you expect or is all suspect. In Inspect what you suspect. Which makes no sense. You think any of the reporters say, could you freaking explain that? That is like the dumbest thing a mayor has ever said. And, boy, mayors have said some dumb things. Then listen to this one. He knocks off Ronald Reagan and attributes it to his mother. That's all she tell me. Trust, but verify. Can I hear that again? That's all she tell me. Trust, but verify. Now, that's like uh, 1980 or so. Ronald Reagan's the president, right? But his mom said this first, you liar. Oh, that reminds me, I'm opening up another Ronald Reagan Republican Club tonight in Throgs Neck in the Bronx. We will now have AOC boxed in all out crazy on the Queen side in Astoria with our 
Ronald Reagan Republican Club, and now in Throg Snake in the Bronx. I'll give you a report tomorrow. But let's listen to some some more of his nonsense yesterday that, remember, the reporters were so intimidated to challenge him on because, you know, his complexion is his protection, and then he starts high-fornicating them and mad-dogging them whenever they stand up to this lunacy. The people of the city elected me to be the mayor. We need to be clear on that. Every agency, every agency, we keep trying to isolate this into the NYPD. I would encourage you all to speak with all of my commissioners, every one of them, Department of Parks, uh, HPD. They will all tell you this guy is up all night. Up all night. Can I hear that again, please? (laughs) I would encourage you all to speak with all of my commissioners, every one of them, Department of Parks. Uh, HBD, they will all tell you this guy is up all night. That's right. Raising the roof. No doubt about it. It's a 24-hour city. When I go out, I am patronizing my restaurants, my hotels, my dishwashers, my cooks. I go visit this 24-hour city. This is not a 9-to-5 city. This is a city that never sleeps, so the mayor should not be taking a nap. My mayor wants to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. My mayor wants to party all the time, party all the time. My mayor wants to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. My mayor wants to party all the time, party all the time. He parties all the time. Go to Zero Bond. I'm going to enjoy life. I'm a nightlife kind of mayor, so I got to stand for the product. So he's up all night working the nightlife. What a sanctimonious hypocrite. Another of the reporters challenged him on that. We know he goes to the club Zero Bond and gets out at 2.30 in the morning, a private club. And just last week, Richard Johnson, famous from uh, Page Six fame, knows where all the bones are buried and who buried them in nightlife, reported that he's been going to Nebu, another nightclub, till 3.30 in the morning with rap crappers. Yeah, with rappers till 3.30 in the morning while this city is falling apart, while he's bringing in more illegal aliens, bankrupting the city, giving out a contract for $6 billion to the UFT, Union of Failed Teachers, and he has the chutzpah, he has the goal to party hardy and talk about how hard he works. And then yesterday, instead of answering questions about who's going to replace Keechan Sewell, It should be the liberty-loving Latino Eddie Caban. No, he talks about how one day he's going to be in the New York City Museum. And I have a rule. Do not stand in the way of a person's desire to pursue their careers. I've always stated that. Now, what's unique about my administration, which is going to be part of my uh, portfolio when I be in the Museum of the City of New York, and I look back on this administration, is that I am the only mayor... And probably, I don't know who's the last way, I think Bean, that has actually worked in a city agency. Is this guy an idiot? He references a Beam who brought us into virtual bankruptcy. Because of a Beam, 
who then appealed uh, to uh, President Gerald Ford. He wanted to get bailed out because we were on the cusp of bankruptcy because of all the corruption with all the Democrats uh, who were putting their beaks in the trough of A-Beam, who was living out in the ponds that I'll never forget had a press conference in the middle of the layoffs of cops, firefighters, social workers, teachers, when he said, New Yorkers need to deal with this fiscal restraint. You need to brown bag your lunch luncheon like I do, Velveeta sandwiches. He would come in from the ponds and in the Rockways, not far from where uh, Sid Rosenberg is living now, and he'd have to stand on like five telephone books to do a press conference. Here this idiot is comparing himself to maybe the worst mayor ever in the city of New York, A. Bean, saying, well, you know, we worked uh, in an agency. Does this guy even know what he's at? Can I hear the beginning of that? Just the beginning. I'll tell you when to cut it off. Go ahead. And I have a rule. Do not stand in the way of a person's desire to pursue their careers. I've always. Wait, I wanted to be the rat star, right? And no pay. Nocturnally, I know where all the rats are. The two-legged rats, I'm proud to be one. And the four-legged rats in the subways, in the parks, in the streets. Remember that, Lou? For three days, he accepted my offer. And I went right to the building that he owns on Lafayette Avenue in Bed-Stuy, which was nothing more than a denizen for rats to embed themselves. I I was doing rat mitigation with the Guardian Angels to set the example to help the mayor who was not setting a good example. And after three days, he picks up the phone, he calls me directly, and he tells me to get the F off his property. He stood in my way, Lou, right, didn't he? I mean, I would have been proud to be the rat star of New York City for no pay. Again, I ask everyone in the newsroom here, do we know the name of the rat star now in New York City? Of course not. She's a person of no consequence, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. But I'll make the, the right decision for the department. He's going to make the right decisions for the department. Okay. All right, what about the liberty-loving Latino Eddie Caban? He has earned the right to be the next police commissioner. He is not tainted at all like uh, the others. And, oh, boy, are they tainted. Phil Banks, who should be in jail. Then you have, uh, oh, my, it's like endless here. It's endless. He's got a guy named Timothy Pearson now, but I'm going to discuss him momentarily. It's Jeff Madry, uh, who should be kicked out of the police department. Uh, So those are the two leading candidates to become permanent police commissioner. Then Timothy Pearson, who is a mayoral aide, who was caught double dipping. He was receiving a salary as the security director of the Racino at Aqueduct and getting paid as a mayoral aide. And his job was, uh, Lou, he was supposed to come up with a plan to stop shoplifting in the city of New York. Oh, he's doing an outstanding job. So these are the three leading candidates. Phil Banks, Crook, Jeffrey Madry, who should be kicked out of the department, Timothy Pearson, who was a double dipper, and Eddie Caban. It would be the liberty-loving Latino, a man, finally a Hispanic police commissioner. Because it's the minority majority, the future majority in the police department, Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Central Americans, Mexicans. He should. He's earned it. Guy from the Bronx worked his way up. Well, let's see what happens because now all of a sudden all of his aides, and it is a cult. It is the cult of Eric Adams at City Hall are screaming at him, hey, BPIC, brother. 
black people in charge. And that's true. He won the mayoralty. And as a result, the fruits of victory is you get to choose who you want. It's like when Bratton was the police commissioner, uh, O'Neill followed him, followed by uh, Shea. I mean, it was the Irish mafia running the police department. It's the fruits of victory. But come on, man. Give Eddie Caban his chance. He's earned this. He was the shadow for Keyshawn Sewell. He would tell her everything. He was very respectful. Very, And then all of a sudden, oh, my God. There's Eric Adams just firing away reporters. How dare one of the white reporters ask him a question? You know, he's sort of like he gets all offended. I'm sorry, she told you that? No, that's the question. Did she tell you that? Oh, it's been reported. Look at that. Come on, man. Hey, press corps, stand up to this bully. And then, oh, the guy who really loses it is Peter King. You would think it should be uh, St. Keyshawn Sewell, police commissioner. Maybe she should go for beatification at the Vatican. Oh, the greatest police commissioner of all time. Move over, Ray Kelly. Move over, Bill Bratton. It's uh, Peter King defending Keyshawn Sewell's honor and attacking me. Also, let me just say something about Curtis. It's, you know, time is running out. This whole thing with Keyshawn Sewell, this is one of the biggest disgraces. And people like Curtis really enables the people around Adams to hurt Keyshawn Sewell. The fact is she was doing everything she could. She was no figurehead. And, you know, she comes from Nassau County, which is more cops than Boston, Detroit, Baltimore, San Francisco. She was number one in her class at the police academy. She was a valedictorian at the FBI academy. And when you see guys like Pat Lynch, Paul Giacomo, the head of the two of the most powerful unions, standing by her, Ken Curry, former chief of department, Bill Bratton, she did more to turn that department around. She was out there with the rank and file. And, yeah, they you know, were out there people trying to tie her hands. But Curtis, rather than defending her, rather than saying, hey, she's fighting a good fight, they somehow blamed her. Because people were tying our hands. But the cops who know, not Curtis with his red hat on the subway. People like Pat Lynch, <laughs> Paul Giacomo, Bill Bratton. Yeah, yeah, Pat Lynch, right? PBA gave a first uh, award ever to a police commissioner. That's because she wasn't busting their stones. I remember the greatest mayor ever, Rudy Giuliani. Cops loved him. He let them, he let him, excuse me, Rudy let them go and do their jobs. And yet a year later, they were demonstrating outside his city hall. Hey, zeros for heroes. Zeros for heroes. Come on, knock this off. She was a placeholder. She knew what she got involved with. She was going to be rendered impotent. She made the deal with the devil. Stop this. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. UTIs are the worst. I've been there. One year, I had eight UTIs. If you get UTIs, then you understand how awful the cycle can be. I was taking all the precautions. And cranberry products, they just never worked for me. I was desperate for a way to be proactive. It was hard on me and on my husband. It was tough to see her in pain, and I wanted to help. I'm Jenna. And I'm Spencer. With Spencer's background in biochemistry... 
and our shared frustration when it came to UTIs. We were inspired to start Ucora. At Ucora, we make innovative urinary tract supplements and UTI relief products. Our effective urinary tract supplements finally give you a way to be proactive. Feel like you've tried everything? We get it. We have a money-back guarantee so you can try risk-free. If you're not happy, you'll get a full refund. We're on a mission to help women get their lives back. Ready to join them? Go to Ucora.com today. Ucora.com. Talking about this is the Riffin Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. I ain't got no money. Going over the fiscal cliff. Could you believe that Eric Adams, in the midst of all this mishigash, was given a soul brother's hug and handshake to the chancellor of the UFT Union of Failed Teachers, Michael Mulgrew, in giving them a 20% pay hike in a new five-year, $6.5 billion deal. He's going to spend $5 billion of our city tax dollars on being the mayor of the illegal aliens. All we get in response is we get Ugats, we get Bupkis, we get the bills because it's us, the city taxpayers, who have to pay it. American-born homeless, American-born emotionally disturbed, some of them veterans who have served in war and in peace. They are getting less and less and less services because everything is being done to take care of the illegal aliens. So it's amazing because wherever he goes now, he still has his buddies, his Fortune 500 uh, buddies, who praise him to the umpteenth, even though you go up and down the streets and you see the empty storefronts and the empty office buildings, and you realize there are less property taxes. As Tom DiNapoli, the state controller, said, 36% less sales tax. How the hell are you going to pay for all this, Eric Adams? How the hell are you going to pay for us? And yet all he wants to keep saying is the following. I'm the CEO of the largest corporation in America, and my bald head, earring-wearing swagger is running this city my way. Yeah, yeah, my way. Yeah. That's swag. Yes, sir. Right into the ground. And as stockholders in this city, we should have a recall on him as CEO. He is he is driving us towards bankruptcy. And his number one supporter has been Peter King. Peter King is an Eric Adams Republican. But maybe, just maybe, he's hit his fault line. We'll see. But earlier today, I co-busted uh, Peter King uh, because Frank Morano had said, oh, Peter King gave him a flag that flew over the Capitol outside of his house, and I said, how could that be, Frank? There's 435 members of Congress, and they all claim to be giving out the same flag that flew over the Capitol, like Sammy Sosa, remember, said he was giving out the same home run bat for home run number 66 to 20 people around the world. This was Peter King's response. Frank contends that he's got this big flag, which he showed me in a picture, flying outside of his house, that you gave it to him as one of these, uh, like, really honorable flags and Curtis says, oh, please stop. Peter sent them like a knockoff. That's not the real flag. What is the truth here, Peter? 
No, the truth is, first of all, it is the flag of all the United States Capitol. They have a procedure in Congress for members of Congress that they will actually fly flags over the Capitol for you. They bring it down. They certify that it flew over the Capitol, and you can present them to people. I gave it to Frank because he's a good guy. He was moving into the new house. I thought it was important to give it to him. So I don't know where Curtis comes with this stuff. That flag was uh, flown over the Capitol, was certified. And it's you know, things I have nothing else to do but make up phony flags for guys in Staten Island. It shows where his mind is. I mean, come on. Yeah, we'll continue this tomorrow. Peter King, Elisu Disgrazia. Hey, forsake Eric Adams. You should no longer be an Eric Adams Republican. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority. PriorityGoldGuide.com